Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Wesley said it is working for everyone else, okay? Let's make sure we can hear them. Let me know when you're ready, okay? Can somebody talk, Nartnell, Cedric? Huh? They can't? Okay, well, let's get it going. Okay. Can they all hear me, Cedric? Okay. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Man, that was just so awesome, man. Yes. Isn't that a blessing? Yeah. Did you feel the Spirit of God like oh, I did? Gosh, that was so good. What a blessing, man. Brian, it's good to see you today. Welcome. All right. Hallelujah. What a blessing. Thank you. Good to see you, Taylor. Thank you, Lord. Everyone, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are here to worship the Lord and praise the Lord and uh, to um, exalt the Lord to His highest. We're excited. Next week, we're going to, uh, for everyone that's here, we're going to take a trip down to Bell River, right, Kevin? Is that where it is? Bell River. Uh, so next Sunday, we won't be here in this location. We're going to be in a, in a building in Bell River. So, Brian, you need to get with us so we can give you the address. Everybody wants the address to come. We've been invited to come there and, and, uh, and uh, do the worship service and, and uh, minister the gospel. So this is a wonderful opportunity to go and be with those folks and, uh, and have some uh, fellowship there with each other and with, uh, and with them to be able to uh, minister the gospel. So, so be in prayer about that, would you? Uh, we, want, we want the Lord to move and, uh, and to help whoever can, needs, needs help and to be a blessing to the people uh, that are there, that we can uh, help them in, in any way we can and that we are ready to receive and ready to give. Praise the Lord. So I'm excited about that. I, I, I like these doors of opportunity. Thank you, for Kevin. I know you've been working on that uh, for some time. So um, I'm glad that we're able to do that. What a blessing. Thank you, Jesus. So, so I think what we're going to do is uh, go down next week. We're probably going to uh, stop by Tookie's house on the way there. Um, I think we have to be there for, what, 9.45? 9.45, he told us. So we're going to be at your house about 9.35 or something, Tookie, and then we'll follow him on over there, huh, Don? That's what we do. Okay. So, so that'll be good. Kevin uh, Cedric's going to um, have Skype going and uh, YouTube going there also. So um, we, we, uh, we're excited about that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, Cedric, uh, you, you got it, people up yet? Anybody up yet? Yes. I don't see them up there. Are you going to be able to get them on or not? Oh, they're coming? Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. I just want to welcome them in. I want to, uh, is, if any, can we hear them now, Cedric? We will be able to hear them. Okay, well, let me know. Okay. Praise the Lord. Anybody have uh, something, uh, a prayer request on their heart? Anybody have something? Okay, Terry? Uh, this week I've been in the hospital twice uh, due to my neck. Uh, it's super cramping. My face is getting, face, shoulder getting numb. Uh, anyway, so. Okay. Amen. Before we leave today, Terry, and you guys remind me, I want to pray and lay, uh, put and put oil on you and pray the Lord that if there be any sin, they be forgiven and that they would, the Lord would heal your, of your sickness. Yeah, Amen. Amen. Anyone else have a, a request, a prayer request on their hearts? Remember to keep in prayer. We want to lift that up too of us going to Brother Doug's church, the Doug's church over there. So we want to do that. Ben, you got something on your heart? Amen. Prayer, Amen. God expose and reveal the truth about Amen. what's going on there. And Amen. It wakes her up. Amen. She sees it. 
Amen. Amen. That's on my heart as well, uh, Ben. And so I'm glad you lifted up. His name is Jennifer. Let's lift her up to the Lord. Um, and her family uh, as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, amen. Anyone else? Anyone else have a burden this morning for something or another? A burden on your heart? Praise the Lord. Brother Brian. Uh, I guess the same for my sister as well. She's actually pregnant right now. She's going to have her first child next month. And she's just kind of been like in a really depressed state lately. I don't know why she's been acting like this, but I think she just needs some prayer, to be honest. She's okay. Walking. I heard something, Cedric. <laughs> Amen, uh, Brian. Uh, we will do that, and uh, we will also pray that the Lord will minister to her where she would understand the gospel and come to that also, which is the main thing. The Lord may be using that. Sometimes when you see people that are going through some hardship and depression, that could really lead into the Lord. So be sure and, 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 and minister and talk to her about her relationship and, and help her. And if we can do anything, if she'd like to talk or anything, I'd love to be able to talk to her. So if, 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 if she'd like to talk, I tell her I've, I invited her to, to uh, talk one-on-one -on -one or whatever she'd like, you know, to help her, okay? Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Brother Tookie? I'm going to finish my second round of chemo drops uh, Tuesday, so uh, the following week I'm going to be going for a checkup with the doctor, so well, everybody will pray for me. Amen. And it'll be clear and it'll be all Amen. gone. Amen. 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 We're, yeah, we're already believing God for that too, but we're expecting a miracle. We're, we're giving thanks to the Lord, and we want to keep Tookie in prayer uh, going through it. He's been through this for quite a while now. They thought that they had it all, and then they detected a small spot there, and um, now they're trying to work with it because it's very, very small, and they were trying to work, uh, they were working it with uh, the drops. So we just believe in the Lord. To, he's the healer. And that the Lord would t touch him and heal him because he seeks the Lord and he sought the Lord first. Uh, and the Lord is able to use, whether it's a physician or whoever it is, to, to take him through that. As well as Sister Linda's knees, I uh, want to lift up to, to her. And I had a knee hurting me this morning, my right knee. And, and uh, if you even mention anything about any, if you'll notice if you're around Kelly and you mention anything that hurts, before you know it, he's got his hand on you praying for you, whether you like it or not. So I love that about Brother Kelly. You know, Brother Kelly started praying for me right away. And my knee feels better, Kelly. Thank you, brother. Thank you for praying for me. Praise Probably God. Huh? Probably that squat heavy weight. <laughs> Brian, don't be telling on me, Brian. <laughs> I'm too young to stop now, Brian. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Um, I was going up at, at the gym yesterday, uh, Cedric and I were working out. I just love uh, working out with Cedric and Brian. Uh, we talk about the Lord the whole time and glorify God. And we talk to other people about the Lord. We were going around asking people in the gym yesterday. He says, uh, we were saying, um, hey, do, do you believe, uh, I said to him, do you believe the Word of God? You know, do you believe the Word of God's true? And they would all say, yeah. You know, they didn't want to say no. And I'd say, well, 1 John 3, 8 says that he that sins is of the devil. Do you believe that? Well, they just said they believed the Word of God. They just kind of look at me like, Kevin, and just kind of like, well, yeah, uh, okay, okay, well then, you know, the shoe fits, wear it. You know, <laughs> you know they, no sin, right? They said, that's right, no sin, so praise the Lord. And there was another man, and guys, you never really know sometimes the effect that you have it on somebody else. There was another older man over there named Steve, and he's... Um, He's, he's, he's older than me, okay, so he's old, you know, so, so I, I, I've been talking to Steve, and man, when I first started talking to him, 
he was just like, oh, no way, you know, no, no way, you can't live without us. I sin every day, I do this and that. But over time, I've just been sharing and continue to share with him, you know, but, and, and, um, and you know, his wife uh, had to get rushed to the hospital to get, she, they thought she was having, she had to have an emergency CAT scan, you know, because something was going on with her chest and all. And man, the first person he, he texts, he says, was me. You know, when people, they may, they may reject you, but when it comes down to the time that they're really hurting and they want help, guess who they're going to call on? They're going to call on you because you spoke the truth and you, didn't, and you didn't hold back. And he says, man, he said, would you pray for my wife? You know, she's, her name's Brenda. And pray for her that, that the Lord would, would take care of it. And he came back yesterday and well, he had texted me back also. And he says, uh, man, they couldn't find nothing. <laughs> he said, said, there's nothing wrong at all. And I, so he came in yesterday. And I said, I, he was all excited. I said, kept, I said, man, I'm excited with you, Steve. Praise the Lord. That's just the hand of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, now, there was a man that was at, that was at a pool one time, at the pool of Bethsaida. And the Lord healed him, just like, he, just like the Lord did your wife. He said, yeah, I can't, can't find nothing wrong. I said, yeah, the Lord healed her. And I said, but the Lord told that man something. He said, he, I said, do you know what he said? He said, what? He said, he said to him, he says, he says, uh, he says, you're healed. He healed him. And he says, now go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. He said, I'm trying my best. I said, I said, I said well, you just stop, brother. You just stop, Steve. You know, so uh, and, and it's, it's, it's such a blessing. It's such a, I want to tell you, I don't tell you this very often, but it's such a blessing to have you with me. You know, when twos are together and you two of your Brian, you know, where we're together and we can go and, and, and share the gospel. We're just talking scripture the whole time. Everybody's kind of looking at us, you know, and I'm asking, say, say what does this scripture say? I mean, Cedric, and we're just talking about the Lord and, and let the influence, let the environment become about God. And so it's, it's just such a blessing to do that. Praise God. Anybody else? Jill? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jill. Any, anybody else have anything on their hearts this morning? Praise the Lord. Anybody on YouTube or, or Skype? Anybody have something that they want to share? Want, they want to talk about? Praise the Lord. I, I know Seth. Is Seth on? Is Seth on, Cedric? Okay. All right. Okay. I know Seth went to a funeral yesterday, and he had some things going on there, so I wanted to hear about that. But um, anyway, we... we um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna go to prayer right now on these requests that the Lord would touch them. So let's uh, let's all pray and, and go to the Lord right now on these. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, um, each and every request made, we want to lift up to you, God. We want to lift up Brian's sister. That Father, you uh, you speak to her heart, God. You said that if someone seeks us, seeks you with all their heart, that you will be found to them, God. 
Father, I, I pray as, as she is in her depression, in those uh, sad time, God, that she would find you, Lord Jesus, that you would minister to her, God, that you would send somebody, even Brian, Lord, to, to share with her that there's peace in you, Lord, a peace that passes all understanding, that there's a joy that no man can take away through, through walking in you, Jesus. And I just uh, pray, Father, that you'll, you'll touch her, God, and uh, bring her out of that place into the place in heavenly places, Jesus, where she can walk in you and live and have her, her being in you, Jesus, and have that joy in you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I, I lift up my brother Tookie. God, I'm so thankful, Lord, that um, you brought him through this time with his eye. I, I just really sense in my spirit, God, a healing there that is taking place, Father. And we love our brother Tookie. Uh, and, and Lord, he's, he's walking in, in your ways and your commands. So Lord, we know we can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask and receive what we ask for because he's walking in your commandments and we keep your commandments and the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So Lord, I thank you. I pray for him and I'm believing you, Lord Jesus, to, to totally have healed him, God, in Jesus Christ's name. Thank you, Father. Um, and all these other requests as we go to Doug, to, over to Doug's next week, God, that, that your, your, the power of your Holy Spirit, God, will fill that place, Lord Jesus, yeah. and that the words would be clear and understandable and simple, God, yeah. that would deal with people's hearts. Prepare hearts even as we go, Lord Jesus, and ears and eyes to hear and see, Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for that. Uh, and every request that was made, Lord, and we lift up Terry to you, Lord Jesus, uh, his neck, God, that you would uh, do a work there and, and give him some uh, relief, Father, and that he, Terry, would just totally, Lord, uh, walk in submission to you, walking in all of your mercy and grace and truth. And, and turn from every disobedience or everything in his life, God, that he'll walk holy and righteous in you, Father, and not be influenced by the, by the guys at work that, that are, are immoral in, in all the world, all the politics, all that stuff, Lord. Wipe that out of Terry's life and cause him to be a great man of God and to be healed and, to, and enjoy the peace and the joy and all that you have for him, God. And eat in Terry and each and everyone here, God. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you and worship worship you and believe you, Lord God. And thank you for all the requests that are made, Lord. Meet the needs of your people, I ask in Jesus Christ's name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Um, anybody have something? We are a church. We always talk about it. we're the body of Jesus Christ. And of course, Christ is the head of the body. So we submit to Christ. He is the head. Uh, and by submitting to him, we submit to what he said, his word. So we are our authority is the Word of God. Uh, and and I, I say this not lightly. I say it with all my heart that the words that Jesus spoke, the words of this, of this gospel will judge us in the last day. And the scripture says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm not going to pretend to tell you something that I think or what, I, what my opinion is, I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. Because the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, it says, If any man speak, let him speak according to the Word of God, according to the oracles of God. It's God's Word that changes people, not opinions. Not somebody trying to change him. It's God's Word and them submitting to God's Word by choice to walk in Him. So as being the body, we're all members one of another. Uh, and we need each other. And I need to hear from you. You need to hear from me. We need to speak into one another's lives. The Bible says to exhort one another daily 
while we walking in a way, lest anyone uh, be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So it's important that we talk to each other and we, we, we uh, encourage one another every day as we move on in the Lord. So um, as we hear to, uh, this, this morning, if there's something on your heart, uh, a question about a scripture, a revelation, something that's on your heart, that's heavy on your heart, uh, speak up and we're going to, and, and, and we will go through it by the word of God and we will see what God's word says about it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody have something on their heart? First of all, this morning, Kelly. Well, I was trying to figure out that scripture and because when you were talking about praying for people and stuff, the one that says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that it, something may not second, us. second, um, second Corinthians chapter four. Wes, did you have something, brother? Wes? We don't have any volumes, Cedric. Hold on just a second. Let him get this volume thing going. It's, it's some new technology. We put a new TV with all that kind of stuff, a new monitor. There we go. Thank you, Cedric. Okay, we got you now. Go ahead. Wes, go ahead. We got a frozen screen on Wes now. Hello? Oh, I, was, I don't even know where you got going right now. I mean, I got something on my heart. Okay. A direction, but uh, I don't know what we can. Uh, go ahead. Whatever you have on your heart, brother, go ahead. You there? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we hear you. Uh-oh. Verse 18. Uh, if, the, if the righteous first be saved, can you hear me? 1 Peter 4, 17 and 18. Read it, what? Yeah, 17. 1 Peter 4, 17 First and 18. Peter, I'll just know it, the scripture. <laughs> okay, 1 Peter 4, 17, 18 and 19. Go ahead. You want to yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Okay, let's start at First Peter four seventeen. It's for the says um, for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Yeah, well, we'll see, see. This is the idea. Obey, like if you're not if you're not in obedience, that's why he he goes on to say if the righteous are scarcely the word scarcely uh, in the Greek definition it's uh, it says with difficulty hardly scarcely with much work is what the definition it says with difficulty hardly not easily in essence scarcely very rarely so obviously it's pointing to obedience in verse seventeen is the crux of the entire passage but then also but i'm trying to go back and get this out of my screen thank you Jill. so matthew like matthew chapter seven can you see me okay matthew seven matthew seven verse there i am Okay, Matthew 7. Now if we go to Matthew 7. I'm glad you found yourself. <laughs> I, 
I just wanted to get that definition right because I think that's a very interesting definition with difficulty. That's what the word scarcely means. Now, if Jesus' righteousness was imputed to your account, let's just entertain that idea. If it was Jesus' righteousness imputed to your account, there would be no difficulty with that at all. It would literally be very easy because it wouldn't be anything that you did. It wouldn't be difficult. It wouldn't be scarcely. It would be whatever you wanted it to be because he's the savior of the world. So he would just arbitrarily choose people randomly and just say, save, 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 based off of them just mentally, conceptually saying that they believe. So if anybody wants to preach the gospel, go to 1 Peter 4, verse 17 and 18. Show them that the way is scarce. It's difficult. It's not easy. That's what the definition means in the Greek. It's not our definition. It's what the Strong says. But if you go over to Matthew 7, this is what Jesus said. This is out of the mouth of Jesus. And it says, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult, there it is again, the word difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And then Jesus goes into false prophets. You'll know that by their fruit. And then just go down to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. So we know it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's not talking about just something randomly or rewards or at the end of the line you're going to get three crowns or two crowns. It has to do with your eternal outcome. So, I mean, these scriptures are very plain. It has to do with obedience. And it's often to say that not everyone who says to me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do, did we not do? And he says, depart from me, you worker of sin, I never knew you. So these are all, those two passages, I think, go really clear together. And, I mean, there's so many other passages we continue to repeat. But, I mean, I think that's a really good tool for evangelism to really explain to people the, accurately, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I guess that's kind of what was on my heart this morning. That's good. I like that you bringing out that scarcely meaning with difficulty. And that does go with that scripture. I was thinking that same scripture you were talking about, Wesley, there in Matthew 7, that straight is the gate and narrows the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it because no one wants to take that way. They, want to, they, they, are, they are being preached today easy believism where you just accept the Lord uh, and they tell you that you're saved without uh, stopping your sin. Stopping your sin, uh, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4, he says, you have not yet resisted to the shedding of blood. You've not yet resisted sin to the shedding of blood. So uh, it's difficult sometimes uh, after you've had these practiced habits and become bondage to sin, and then you make a choice that sin must stop. Then you have to exercise some, uh, uh, your, your, uh, uh, exercise yourself in stopping what you did. 
Uh, like the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, one of my favorite scriptures, Paul said, I keep under my body, I bring it into subjection. So you're bringing your body under subjection. Is that easy? Sometimes it's not easy at all. And sometimes it can be very difficult because you made a practice habit out of that. Now you all of a sudden, you, you change that. And instead of your body telling you what to do, you're telling your body what to do. You're not paying attention to the emotions and the functions of the body. You're, you're walking in what God's word says. Yes, Jill? Right. And they didn't want to go there at all. It was mm. like, I love the Lord. I serve the Lord. I'm going Breaks to throw my heart. out that word obedience. That, that's not part of the vocabulary. That's not what they're taught. And just like Wes said, I mean, that's the bottom line. But they're being taught that, well, if you love him, you come and you, you come to church and you lift your hands and you worship and you serve here at the church, you're good to go. And boy, they, they will fight for that fiercely because right. that's what they believe with their whole heart. Obedience is not even, doesn't even enter in. Very good, Jill. Um, it's in that same person I talked to, and and it was like I'm doing all this service. I'm giving my time. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. That's not what the Lord's interested in. You can't make up for your sin by doing something good, thinking it's going to override what you're doing bad. That's exactly where I was going, Kelly. <laughs> Saul, what did he do? The Lord says, I want you to go and I want you to destroy the Amalekites because they were so hard on my people. And they're a wicked people. You destroy all of them, everything. The sheep, the goats, everything. The cats, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what did he do? He came back with the best of the sheep, the best of the oxen, and the king. And he thought he was doing good. And, and, and Samuel comes to him, the, the judge of Israel, and he, and he says, Saul... Have you not obeyed the commandment of the Lord? You know what he says? Yes. Same kind of thing. Yes, I'm right with God. I did good. I killed him. And then he said, well, then Samuel says, well, what's the bleeding I hear of the sheep that I hear in the background? Yeah. He said, well, I brought the people wanted me to do it. Somebody else wanted me to do it. I brought the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to God. Oh, like God was going to be pleased in a sacrifice that he told him to kill, and he didn't kill, and he's going to offer him up to God? And he wouldn't, he kept saying, I've been obedient, I've been obedient. He wouldn't ever say it until Samuel told me you're going to lose your kingdom. Then he started saying, oh yeah, yeah, I, was, I sinned. But the Lord told him, he says, to disobey is like, it's like witchcraft. It's rebellion is like witchcraft. You rebelled against God. It says it's better to obey than to sacrifice. The Lord wants obedience. It's not sacrifice how many times you go to church, how much money you give to, give to the church, how often you, how many people you're trying to help. That's all good and dandy. Don't leave those things out. But the real thing, Brother Tookie, is obedience. Right. Obedience is what ne is necessary. Rebellion is the spirit of witchcraft. Is the spirit of witchcraft. That's right. Yeah. Spirit of witchcraft. Amen. It's defined. How do you know that you love them if you keep his commandments? That, so that's really the definition because yeah. for, for a long time I never really understood right. it. We think love to be the definition of what the world says. Um, but this is, I just want to share this um, and say this because this is something that uh, has been on my heart is, 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 um, 
It's Ephesians 5, verse 11. Hold on just a second, man. Hold that thought. Uh, Cedric, they're, they're getting low volume over there. Can you turn their volume up? Okay, okay, good. All right. Okay, Ben. Ephesians 5, 11. And, and Brother Wesley uh, quotes this every time on, on the studies that we have. And it's this, and it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them or expose them, is, is the scripture. And so right now in my life, I'm, I'm having to look at um, the fine. Thank you, Matthew. Go ahead. Okay. Unfruitful works of darkness. So if a person's not walking in righteousness and holiness, guess what? They're walking in darkness. That's right. Because see, the world. Oh well, I kind of you know I do I stumble from. You're walking in darkness, and the yeah. scripture is telling me to not have fellowship with a person that's walking in darkness, including my mother. Because <laughs> the scripture says, who, "Who is who is your mother and your father and your brother and, and is the ones who obey." The word of God. Amen. And I'm dealing with it right now. And you know what? It doesn't feel good. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. I want to go there a minute, guys, if you'll let me. Uh, yesterday, Cedric and I was riding down the road. And as I was going down the road, um, a text came through um, from my daughter. And it wasn't a happy text. It was a very, uh, you've, you've, you've all experienced it as parents where a child is in rebellion to you or a child is really gnawing on you, maybe from the past or whatever, blaming you for their life, blaming you for their actions, saying you didn't do this when they were ill or you did this or whatever, and they want to put guilt. And I'm read, I was reading this, and then while I was reading this car goes around me and passes double lines, and a big rock came off the car and hit me right in the, in the windshield and put a big old crack in my windshield right when I'm reading this. And, and here I'm reading this, and it's like making me sad. Then this big crack comes. And I looked up, and Cedric goes out there, and I said, is that the best you can do, devil? Amen. <laughs> is that the best you can do? Yeah. Have my daughter come and attack me and throw a big rock in my window, you think I'm going to be moved by that? You're going to have to do a whole lot more than that, devil, because I ain't, I ain't, I'm not moving. And that's where we have to be. We have to be steadfast. All hell can come at us on the outside, but we're going to be at peace on the inside. But I want to talk to you about something this morning. Uh, first of all, I want to tell you this. Years ago, um, I, um, I had a great experience with God. Somebody shared with me, and I really got broken, really, really broken, cried out to God. I never, had never experienced anything like that before, and I had a real touch from God. And I went home to my parents. I had been Catholic all my life, so I had never really read a Bible. So I, when they opened the Bible and they showed me things, man, I was excited. I'd never seen anything. And they showed me all this. You know, a lot of you been, were raised up in different churches where you at least opened your Bible and had a Bible. I didn't. I wasn't allowed to. It was a big Bible that sat on a, a, on a coffee table. Don, you know what I'm talking about. And you don't dare open that Bible because you might mess it up as a kid. So I didn't get to read it. And somebody read me this Bible and says, man, you can, you can start all over again. You can ask God to forgive you and turn from your sins. And, you know, and, and I can read that in the Bible. And I was like, that's before I, I got into other do doctrines that people, I ended up going astray because I didn't, you know, I didn't know. But at that point, I really had experience. So I went home. Man, I was excited. I was going to share this with my parents. And I went home to my mom and daddy and brothers and sisters. I had 10 of us in this 1,200 square foot house because it was really tight. And I went in there and I began to tell them what happened to me. I said, I just experienced something in the Lord that, man, I, I'm going to follow the word of God. I'm going to walk with God. I was so excited. And they got, and they gave me a hard time. 
They said, man, you've switched religions. And for a Catholic, to switch religions back in those days, it was like really bad. We don't even want you as a son anymore. You know, what, you're not coming back to the Catholic Church? You know, you, you're telling us all this stuff. Get out of here. We don't want nothing to do with you. Man, I got in my car and I was driving. I was crying. I was weeping bitterly. Because I was like 18 years old when this happened. And as I was all crying, I was crying and crying. And, and the Lord spoke to me real clear. And he said to me this, that's not your family anymore. I said, what? And he gave me a scripture. Honestly, this is exactly what happened. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He said, you have a spiritual family. Don't you worry about what the flesh, old fleshly family tells you. You walk in my spirit and you have a new family now. I went, wow, look at that. And I want to share something with you this morning along that line. I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 14. This really opened up to me this morning. I, I, I had a day yesterday where um, my daughter came and, and uh, basically rammed me with trying to bring up all the past, all this stuff. And, and, um, it, but it really opened some things up in the Lord to me. And Ben's right. When somebody, when you, especially your immediate family, comes at you, and begins to gnaw on you and tell you about your past and tell you about this and that, it, it hurts. It's painful. And sometimes when it does happen, and I've had this happen in life before with a wife or with, a, with children or what have you, that I got moved out of my faith. That I began to try to make them happy by doing what they wanted instead of really sticking to what God wanted. Made terrible mistakes in my life, terrible sins, because I did what they wanted rather than what God wanted. You cannot move away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to keep preaching the gospel. You need to keep fellowship and you need to be, stay absorbed in the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what somebody does and how they try to move you away from that. They try to say, well, you're going to church too much. Were you fellowshipping too much? I made that mistake before someone told me that. It was very close to me, and I let up. It was the worst mistake I had ever made in my life. The worst. Because you've you, you got to go forward with the Lord. You've got to keep, keep moving on with the Lord. You gotta, uh, he said, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So if, you don't, if, you're, if you're drawing away from him, guess what? He's going to draw away from you. Take it the opposite end. And that's where, that's where I was. I was in a bad place because I, I got moved by what a, a relative, someone close told me, someone in the immediate family. And I want to share something with you here. Verse 26 of chapter 14 of Luke says this. If a man come to me and hate not his father, mother, wife, children, brethren, sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I used to struggle with that. Chapter 14, verse 26. I used to struggle with that. What do you mean, Lord? Hate my mother. Hate my wife. You tell me in other scriptures to love them. You tell me to love my neighbor. You tell me to, to, to love my brother as, as, you know, as I love myself. So why are you telling me now to hate them? And I said, something wrong here. I'm not getting it. I got it. You know what it is? Because your love's going to get tested by your immediate family and by your own self. Your love is going to get tested to see if you'll move. See if you'll quit preaching to the church. I, this particular person in my, in my family here, my daughter says, I don't, I don't want to come to your house if you're going to preach Jesus to me. You know what? You know what I had to tell her? I'm going to preach Jesus because that's all I, that's my life. Yeah. 
sorted out by then, telling her, well, good, we'll get in the scriptures. Oh, no, don't get in the scriptures. I don't need that. I'm good to go. I said, we're concerned about your soul. And she hung up the phone on me. That's okay. You, you have to choose. You cannot love your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, nobody more than the Lord. And this is the test. You have to hate them compared to the Lord. Well, you know what? If you're going to go, go. I'm staying with the Lord. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to talk about Jesus all the time. I'm going to talk about Jesus with you. If I see your soul's not right, I'm going to talk to Jesus. I'm going to tell you about your soul's not right. If you don't like it, you get mad at me, you throw up all my past, it don't matter. Because that's what my life's about, is about Jesus. And that's what your life is about. Don't let your children move you away from the gospel. If they tell you they don't want to hear it, too bad. They don't come to my house because that's what I say. That's, my, that's what my life's about. I am a walking epistle, not a dead epistle, not a closed epistle. I'm a walking epistle, and I'm the voice and the trumpet of God. I will speak the word of God. That's what, that's what he means. So count the cost, he goes on to say. Don't start building a house and not count the cost and know what it's going to cost. This is what it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you maybe some of your loved ones walking away from you. Yeah. But you, Go ahead, Wes. Yes, I was going to say the, the count the cost part. Yeah, love, love, uh, love less is what hate. There's no competing. You, your, your alliance to God, there's nobody competing against that because he's first and foremost. He has the preeminent and everything in your life and that's why Jesus you know says whoever expert uh, after that it says and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple so the bearing the cross part coming after him we know Jesus obviously uh, lived a certain way like we said who is my mother who is my brother but those that do the will of my father Amen. Um, you know so he had this concept of dying to yourself even prior to him going to the cross totally aligns to the kingdom of God. But it says, for what of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost. So there's a cost to becoming a Christian. It's not easy believism. Back to 1 Peter 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 18, and Matthew 7, you know, there, I think verse 14, it's all about the way being difficult to enter into the kingdom, putting your hand to the plow, not looking back, or you're not fit for the kingdom, is really is really what it is. But the, there's a cost. It's not Amen. easy believism. Amen. If, it were, if it was easy believism, there would be no cost because it would be free. It would just be doled out to yep. you, and it would be handed to you on a silver platter. But obviously, that's what they believe, though, Wes. That's what most of the church world believes <laughs> that yeah, it is free. Amen. 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 And in Revelation chapter 3, it talks about buying ISAP so that you might see. It talks about buying a white garment. So if you don't have a white garment on, you're not going to have the right garment on at the wedding feast when Christ comes back. If you don't have the right garment on, in in Revelation 19, it says the right white garment is the righteous acts of the saints. Amen. So all this points to your obedience. You counting the cost, 
and that's what it's that's what the gospel was about back then and that's what we're trying to say we're contending for this idea the gospel is not free it's free in the sense of you know while you were sinners christ died for you and, and reached his hand up to you but it's not free in regards to you responding to what he taught i mean they had come to jesus uh jesus's mother and the brethren uh his brothers his, his family and they were going to Jesus, and uh, it said along the way that they said that they were going because they thought that Jesus had gone mad. He had gone crazy. Jesus was in a house with people, stuffed to the max with people in the house. You couldn't even get in. They said, man, we're going to get him and take him somewhere because he's mad. He's crazy. So if the world thinks you're crazy, or they hate you, they hated your Savior. They thought he was crazy. Then they get to Jesus, and they, and they come to Jesus in the house. They say, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and sisters, they're there outside for you. They would expect, well, Jesus' mother. Oh, wait, hold up, guys. Let me get out there. Let me go see him. I got, hey, mama, you know, come, come on. Oh, y'all want to think I'm crazy? I want to have me committed? That's fine. Okay, come on. No, Jesus didn't do that. He looked around, and he looked around them. He said, who is my mother? Who is my father? Who is my brethren? Look at him. Those who hear my word and do it. That's my family. You my family. You my brother. You my mother. You my brother. You my sister. We're family. And the, and the family of God says to do good to all men, especially those who believe. And like Wes was saying, you can find that scripture that Wes was saying over in, in, the, um, in, in the book of... Uh, of, of Luke 9, 62. If we're right there at Luke 9. Go, go to Luke 9, since you're right there at 14. Go, go back to Luke 9. In verse 62. When Jesus was saying, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And he says this, he says, And Jesus said unto, them, unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. When you put your hand in this plow, don't you look back. What happened? The Bible says in Luke 17, he says, remember Lot's wife. Right. What it says? Remember Lot's wife. That's a scripture. Joe 3, remember Lot's wife. What did, what did Lot's wife do? She looked back. And she became turned into a pillow. So now, what happens if you plow in a field? And Tookie might, probably knows this. Some of these older people like, like us. And Linda knows this. But if you plow in a field... If Papa was, if Grandpa was plowing that field, and he's out there plowing, and he looked back, what happened? The whole, the whole thing got, the, the road got crooked, right? Because the road gets crooked, you get off the path. You have to look and focus straight ahead when you're plowing that field. Because if you look one way or the other, you, that, that thing's going to follow that. And you're going to make a, a crooked path. And the path is straight, and it's narrow. So once you put your hand to this plow, don't you look back. Because it'd be better for you not to have known the way of truth than to know the way of truth and to depart from it. That's right. There was a, there was a um, before, before kings in the Old Testament, there were what they called judges. And there was a judge, his name was Eli. Now Eli had two children. Who knows the names of the two children of Eli? Look at my wife. Is she right on? Hophni and Phinehas. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> See there, she knows, bro. And, and uh, he had two children. Now, there was a woman that came to the temple. Her name was Hanani, Hannah. And she was barren. She couldn't have children. And she really, really was a thing back then for a woman. They wanted to have a man child. 
Because they knew that Jesus was going to be born of one of these women. And it was really the desire of women was to have a man child. She was barren. And her husband, you know, felt bad for her. He says, man, aren't I enough for me? It's okay if you don't have children. She says, no, I want to have children. And she was in the temple and she was crying and she was praying. And she was moving her lips, but no sound was coming out. Eli was there, the, 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 uh, the, the judge, and he looks over at her and thinks that she may be drunk or something because she's weeping and there's nothing coming out of her mouth because she's praying to herself. And he says, woman, what's wrong with you? you, you if you're going to drink, don't, don't come to the temple. And she says, I'm not drunk. I'm not drinking. I said, well, what's wrong? She says, well, I'm barren. I have no children. And he told us that by next year, you're going to have a child. And, and sure, they prophesied to her. And she had a child. And his name was first, first judge. Anybody? Samuel. Samuel. He was, the, he was the judge that came forth from Eli. Now, Eli had two children. Normally, their two children would become the next judge. But his two children were Hophni and Phinehas, and they were wicked. They were wicked. They were supposed to be high priests in the temple, Don. And what would happen when the people would come to make their offering, they'd bring a slab of meat or whatever, and they were supposed to burn it as an incense to the Lord and, and, take all, and burn all the fat off of it. Well, they liked that fat. Some people like to eat that fat on the, on the meat because it gives them more taste. So they wanted the fat. So they said, don't burn the meat. And they take their flesh hooks. They had a three-pronged flesh hook. And they take that three-pronged flesh hook and they take the meat from the people offering it and take it from them. And they would commit fornication with all the women that, were, that worked in the temple. They were wicked. Yeah. The flesh hook to me represents the three-pronged flesh hook is the, works, is the, the lust of the flesh, yeah, yeah. the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Yeah. That's what they were living by. They were living by, by sin. And they would go in and they would take that. So anyway, the, the Lord sent a prophet to Eli. And the prophet came to Eli and says, says Eli, the Lord is going to take your kingdom away. Going to kill your, your, your two children, everything, unless you, you need to correct them. He would not correct his children. He would not discipline them. They were doing wrong, and he had knowledge of it, and he let it carry on. Because he didn't want to upset his children, his children to leave, or fire his children. He wanted them to have a place. You know, a lot of people want to, when they enter churches, they want their children to be the next pastor. They want their children to inherit what they have. You'll see these churches, they go, oh, their son is the pastor now. Their grandson is the pastor. What about an anointed, just anointed person? Yeah, what about somebody just loves the Lord? Why is it always you see the whole family gets in on the, all the money they're making in the church too? They put their family in right after it. How about the most qualified, the one that's really living for the most in the Lord, that's really sold out to the Lord, be the one? Oh, no, because the people are just like that. We, are, we in our natural sense, are just like that with our children. He did not want to correct his children because he didn't want to lose them. He was afraid to tell them the truth because he was afraid that they would go away and they would not come back. So he let them do what they wanted to do. Well, Samuel... He was, the uh, 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 Hannah and I ended up get, getting pregnant. And she made an oath. She says, if, if that was true, what, Tim, what Eli has prophesied to me, that I'm have a child, I'm going to take the child and I'm going to dedicate it to the Lord. Once the child is weaned, I'm going to bring it back to the temple and I'm going to give it to Eli to be there and help him with the temple. And he's going to stay there forever. She gave up her firstborn son. To be able to do the work of the ministry. And she gave it back to God. Because God had given her a son. So after she had weaned him. She brought it to the temple. She says Eli. Samuel is yours. Do as you wish with him. So she left him there. Little, little Samuel. And little Samuel was there. And, uh, 
and I guess he's 12 or 13 years old by that time. And, and one night he goes to bed. And in bed, he, uh, he hears a voice. Samuel! Samuel! He goes running to Eli. He says, what is it? What is it, Eli? What is it? He says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed, boy. Went back to bed. Samuel! Samuel! Goes back to Eli again. Who, what, what is it, Eli? What is it? He says, son, I hadn't called you. Goes to bed again. <clears throat> Third time. Samuel! Samuel! He goes to Eli again. Eli says, listen. It's not me calling you. When the voice comes next time, just say to it, say, here I am, Lord. Say what you have to say. Speak what you would. So the voice calls. says, Samuel, Samuel. He says, here I am, Lord. Speak unto me, Lord. Oh, ain't that good? Tell me, Lord. And the Lord, Lord tells him, I want to tell you about Eli and his two sons. He said, his two sons are wicked. I'm going to remove them out of the way. I'm going to, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to allow him to be to, to die, and this is what's going to and the, and and Samuel is going to lose the, his kingdom. He's going to lose everything, and none of his seeds going to be going to be a, 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 a priest or a judge again. And I'm going to take the I'm going to take the ark of the covenant out of here. He's going to lose it all because he will not repent. So the next day, Samuel wakes up, and he's kind of like, I don't want to tell this to Eli. This isn't good news. This is bad news. So Eli calls him. He says, Samuel, come tell me what, what happened last night. And he said, don't be afraid to tell me. Don't hold anything back. Yeah, and Samuel says, okay, you want it. He says, God spoke to me. And God has tried to get you to correct your children. But you wouldn't do it. Because you was basically scared to lose them. And he says, because you wouldn't correct them, now God's going to kill them. When the Philistines are going to come in, they're going to destroy this land, and they're going to take your two sons, and they're going to kill both of them, and they're going to take the ark, and it's going to be taken out of here, and you're going to lose everything. Eli says, well, so be it. It has to be done. And he lost everything. And those two sons died. And God ended up putting Samuel as the next judge after Eli, not his sons. But because he would not correct his children, because he loved his children more than God, God removed them and God, he lost everything. That's a warning in the scripture and we have that same warning in the New Testament. That's why he said, whoever loves children, husband, wife, family more than me is not, and his own life is not worthy of me. Look, you're called to a high calling in God. Don't put your hand in this plow and you think you can look back and you can go on and keep what you have. Your children and everyone else that's walking in the flesh, that's exactly what they are. They're of the flesh. Now we want our children all to come to the Lord, but it's not you figuring it out how to do it. That's why the scripture says don't lean to your own understanding. You live for God and you leave that up to the Lord. You can't make your children follow God. You can lead by somewhat of an example, but ultimately, it's the person's choice. You ha they have a choice. You had a choice. And we love our children. We want to see our children come to the Lord, whatever it may take. But there comes a time that the Lord says, hey, don't you let up with me. Or you're not worthy of me. Not worthy of him, he says. Let's look at see and see what's going to happen, how this is going to be tested
Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. Verse 16. Let's see. Uh, let me make sure I get it. Yeah. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for shall be given you in the same hour what ye shall speak, for it is not... You that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver the brother to death. And the father, the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Wow. Well, wait a minute. This, these are people that are living for God and their children will, call, that will, will take them and put them and bring them before rulers and have them put to death you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake because you won't stop preaching because you won't stop loving and you won't stop telling them the truth you're not going to be hated of all men if you just try to oh well brother you know just try to tippy toe it around and just tell them what they want to hear you're going to be hated of all men because you're going to tell them if you don't stop sinning, you're going to hell. If you're sinning, you're of the devil. You haven't seen him nor known him. They'll hate you for that. And he said, they'll be hated of all men for my sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Another one. Go to Mark chapter 12, chapter 13. Verse 12, same kind of thing. Talking about they'll be, they'll be beating on this. Is talking about to get toward the end time. He says, but when, verse um, uh, 12 says, now the brother shall betray the brother to death, the father, the son. The children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Look at Luke chapter 21. And verse 16. And you shall be betrayed both by parents, brethren, kinsfolks, friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. In your patience possess ye your souls. When you are encountered by a son, a daughter, a father, 
a mother, a relative, and they say some ugly things to you and begin to throw your past up or begin to think you're too, too you're crazy about the Lord and you're all wrong, your, mo- your emotions will get stirred. Your emotions will get stirred. They will, they will begin to make you feel like, well, maybe I need to apologize to them. Maybe I need to make some kind of peace with them. Maybe I need to tell them I didn't mean it the way I said it. You see, because that's what happens because we have emotions. Emotions are not a bad thing. They're a good thing when they're used properly in the proper way. To be emotionally in love and show the Lord your emotions is a good thing. But the, sometimes, but the emotions of anger or wrath or rage in a way that is selfish is a horrible thing because you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will experience emotions when your children, loved ones, begin to say things to you that seemingly hurt you. How many have had that happen to you? Everybody in this room. But the Lord wants you where you're not moved. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He said this. uh, Scripture that bears repeating. It says this. Paul was getting attacked by others that were in the church system. Like us. Okay. Paul had gone through many hard things. But he did them so that the ministry would not be blamed. He would suffer the loss even of his own life and everything that he had for the ministry because he wanted them to see Christ in him. And if we start up in verse um, 4, verse 3, he says, "Giving, giving no offense in anything. He didn't want to give an offense to anyone in anything in his walk in Jesus Christ. That's why he said to follow him. That's why he said those things that you both seen and heard and learned of me do and the God of peace be with you because he wanted to be an example. That's why he said I keep under my body. I bring it under subjection lest by any means after I preach to others I myself be a castaway or a reprobate. He said I didn't, he didn't want anything and same thing with us. That's why the Lord wants your life and requires your life to be blameless. Why? Because you are representing Jesus Christ. In everything you do, say, or act, you are representing Christ. And when those storms and those winds begin to blow at you, if you're truly founded on the rock, you're not going to get angry and start cussing and start being moved by that because you're founded on the rock and you're not going to be moved by your emotions. When we lived for the world, we what? We were moved by our emotions. When somebody did something to us, we wanted to do back to them. When somebody spoke evil to us, we wanted to speak evil back to them. That's no more. As a Christian, that's over with. You take the way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Amen. That's right. Even in your emotions. That's good, Don. That's good. But he said, given no offense in anything. Nothing. Now you may say, well, I don't want to offend my son by telling him the truth and telling him about Jesus and telling him that he's going to hell if he don't <laughs> repent. I don't want to offend him by that. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, because then that would offend who? That would offend the Lord. You definitely don't want to offend the Lord. But a person that's offended because you tell them the truth, they got a problem, not you. You did the right thing. Why? Because the Bible commands us to preach the gospel to who? Every creature. 
Every. Does that leave anybody out? Does it leave your family out? Does it leave anybody out? No, you preach the gospel to every creature. You don't worry about whether they receive it or not. You don't worry about how they're going to react to it. That's what you're to do. It's like you pray for healing. We pray for healing. We don't sit there and worry about if they're going to be healed or not. We're just commanded to pray for healing. We pray. It's God that has to heal. When we, when we share the gospel, one, one plants, another waters, but who gives the increase? God. I can't give the increase. I just do what I'm supposed to do. I like what, what Brother Kelly said today. He came upstairs and he said, he said, you're on the way. He's thinking, I know Brother Don's going to do this. He's going to say, I said, I said, I said, what you going to do? What you going to do, Kelly? Do what he says. Do what he says. <laughs> he answered me. I said, boy, that's a good answer. I'm going to do what he says. That's why the Lord said in Luke 6, 49, he says, why do you call me Lord?